This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Matthew chapter 9 is our passage of scripture. Let's uh, ask the Lord to bless this time now. Lord, thank you for this privilege I have to be back here at Good News Baptist Church. Thank you for the faithfulness of these folks and the faithfulness of this church these many years. Pray, Father, you use me now tonight to encourage these folks in their walk for you and their witness for you in the area of missions. Thank you, Lord, that this church is very committed, very committed in prayer and financially in missions. And so what an honor it is here to share this burden with them, knowing, Lord, there will be people who will pray. So, Lord, may you bless this time together. Use me as your messenger, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ is teaching here and going about all the villages and the, the whole region there of Israel, especially the villages and countryside, not just in Jerusalem. And it says here in this familiar passage in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Oh, that's a good little thing right there. Jesus got out among the people. It's just a good little reminder. Let's continue on. He, so Jesus went out about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Familiar passage of scripture, probably some of you have it committed to memory. But don't let your familiarity with it cause you to tune out. Let's think about what the Lord did. First of all, I mentioned the fact that he was out among people. Something we all need to be committed to. We need to get out among our neighbors, our co-workers, among folks just to get to know them better. And so they get to see Christ through us. And that's very important. But beyond that, I want to especially hone in on that verse 36 where it says, And when he saw the multitudes. You know, seeing is something we take for granted. Both physically and spiritually. When I was a freshman in college, about the same time, a little before your pastor was there, uh, I was in Bible college as well. And, and going to school and preparing for whatever God had for me. At that time, I was an education major. Uh, I came home at Christmas time, or actually my, my parents picked me up at Christmas time, and they uh, were going to go to Florida so we could visit with uh, our family, my two sisters. I'm from the Northern Virginia area, so we were going down to Florida at wintertime. That's a smart move, by the way. Um, I encourage any of you to do that, but I'm just saying from personal experience. I uh, went down to Florida, and as, I was, as, a, as we were going, I said, can I do something? And they said, what's that? I want to do something I haven't done in three months, drive a car. So for three months, I've been a student. Now I get to drive a car again. Started driving a car down the interstate, and I noticed something. I was having a hard time reading the street signs or the, and the interstate signs, knowing where to get off and what, where, what was coming up the next exit and so forth. And I thought maybe I just wasn't used to driving for some time. And, and so I was strained a little bit, squint my eyes. I finally could focus in and see that. And my mom, being like moms are, noticed my straining and made this announcement to me, while you're home on vacation over the spring break, or uh, Christmas break, you will go to the eye doctor. Well, I didn't want to go to the eye doctor. I wanted to just relax and enjoy my time. But sure enough, she was right, as moms usually are. And I went to the eye doctor, and I went back to school second semester with a pair of glasses. And I imagine, I remember putting those glasses on that first time and going to chapel and going out afterwards to talk to my girlfriend, who now is my wife, and saying, could you see the facial expressions of the preacher last semester? 
Well, she thought I was crazy. Well, of course, everyone could see that. I said, I couldn't. All I saw was just hands moving around and body moving. I didn't know you could see the actual guy's face. Going to classes, I actually could see what the teacher was putting up. I know I'm going to date myself by saying this, but on the chalkboard. You know, putting things up there. I could actually read them without squinting or getting a headache. It was amazing what a pair of glasses did. But the problem is I didn't know I had a problem until I went to the eye doctor. And for those of us who wear uh, corrected lenses, we also know this. We oftentimes don't realize our eyes are getting weaker until we go back to that checkup every two years or something. And he does this or that, this or that. And we go crazy hearing him say that over, over again. But the idea is our vision, both physically and spiritually, has a tendency to get weaker over time. And so we have to, in order to focus correctly, we need to go back to the Scripture and let the Scriptures be our guide. Because in the Scriptures, through the eyes of Jesus, we can see clearly. And so, Jesus, so here's what it says once again. Verse 36. And when he saw the multitudes, and by the way, his vision is perfect vision. It's clear as can be. And when he saw the multitudes, it says... He was moved with compassion on them. The Lord Jesus Christ, with his perfect vision, gives three perspectives of the lost. Perspectives that we oftentimes don't see because we get blurred or we get distorted in our vision. And we don't see people through the eyes of Jesus. So let's see how Jesus sees people. I'm talking about your neighbor, your co-worker, guy who cuts you off in traffic tomorrow morning. That's the guy I'm talking about. These are the people that... Jesus is going to show us how we can see them very clearly and very plainly if we look through his eyes. So three perspectives we see here. We read these passages, this passage already. In verse 36, we see his compassion for their souls. His compassion for their souls. And like I said, you're familiar with these passages of Scripture, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time going into the, into the Greek or, or explaining all this to you. But basically, he, saw, he had a compassion for their souls. He yearned for them as he saw them. His compassion dealt with just the inner burden of his insides, the point where some of us have been there before, where we're so burdened about something, we don't even really have an appetite. You know, he just kind of lost that burden to eat because it was so burdened for someone's souls. He had a compassion on them. And he tells us why. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad. They fainted. They were, as, they, were, they, were, they were like someone who had been attacked by a wild animal, had been attacked and chewed on and then left for dead. But it wasn't by lions and tigers and bears. It was by their religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And by the way, things haven't changed much. We live among people all in this area who are being attacked and chewed upon by their religions. And their religions are saying, do this and do that and do this and do that. And if, and if someone hasn't given up and totally collapsed altogether, they're like the rich young ruler who says, what lack I more? I'm doing all you say and it's not bringing satisfaction to my soul. Why? Because only Christ brings satisfaction to our soul. And so Jesus saw them. He's letting us see them. These folks who, who are upset and angry and, and discouraged and depressed, it's because they need Christ. And we can see that through the eyes of Christ. So he saw them. And so Jesus, having compassion on their souls, was concerned and burdened for them because he knows what their soul's needs are. And so do we as we read the Scripture and we see our neighbors, our coworkers, our relatives clearly through the eyes of Jesus. So his compassion for their souls, and then moving on to verse 37, he gives a conclusion of their status. Once again, he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, 
but the laborers are few. And he's telling us they have a, they have a limited lifespan. Just generally speaking, it's a limited lifespan. And then things, other things happen like, let's see, COVID-19, car accidents, other tragedies in life that, that makes that lifespan even seem shorter. Do you know this? They just said recently that this past year, the, the average lifespan for Americans decreased the first time since World War II, a whole year, decreased a whole year in 2020. Since World War II, it's been increasing incrementally uh, you know, over time, but this past year has decreased by a full year. Well, it's just a good reminder that this life is temporary. And Jesus wants us to realize the harvest is something that's temporary, right? I mean, a harvest, you, you, you live for the harvest, you plant for the harvest, you fertilize for the harvest, you water for the harvest, you look forward to harvest, you can pick the fruit. But if you don't pick the fruit, it rots and dies and it's gone. So is life. So Jesus is telling at the conclusion of their status, they're lost and hopeless without him. And he's given us the, the, the valuable challenge, the valuable responsibility to work the harvest, to work the fields, plant the seed, water the seed. First Corinthians 3, Paul used that same analogy. Go out and do that. And sometimes God gives us the privilege to pick the fruit. But let's be involved in the harvest because the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Don't get discouraged by that. Just realize Jesus knows what he's talking about, and let's get to work. You say, well, all the people, all these people all over, how, how in the world are the people in the mission fields? You know what? Begin with the people in your realm of influence. Begin with your family members. Begin with your neighbors. Begin with your, co- your, worker, your co-workers. And, and as you go wherever you may be going, then, then broaden that realm of influence. But start where you are. You don't have to be worried about people on the other side of the world. Be concerned and pray about those who live next door to you. They were lost and hopeless at the conclusion of their status. And then verse 38, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, and he will send forth laborers into his harvest. His command for our sacrifice. And what's the command? Everyone give half their income to missions. Now that's not a bad idea, but that's not his command. What's his command? You tell me, church. What? Pray. Pray. All of us can pray. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter your age. We all can pray. In fact, this word, on this word, I will spend a little, just I'll spend 15 seconds on this. This is a very special word in the New Testament for translated prayer. It's not dealing with the common word for prayer, the talk and communion with God. This is talking about entreat, beg, plead with God. When was the last time you pled with God for a lost soul? Jesus' command. This is the first step in missions and evangelism. Starts on our knees. Doesn't end there, but it starts there. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest. He's working in people's lives. He's bringing them to harvest. And he'll use us if we let him, but it begins with prayer. So his command is to pray. And then he says that the Lord will send forth, literally thrust forth the laborers. And so pray and then be willing to go. Well, God may not send me. You may say, God's not sending me. I can't go. Well, first of all, don't tell God you can't do something. But second of all, if you can't, then, then be involved in sending others. Pray and go. But it begins with prayer. That's his command, to pray. The Lord will harvest that he'll send forth the laborers. You see, when we put on Jesus' Jesus's, uh, vision, when we put on his glasses, 
his lens of scripture, we can see clearly our neighbors. They may drive us crazy. But remember, Jesus died on the cross so they might live forever. The reason why some folks drive us crazy is because they're lost. And I expect lost people to live like, well, lost people. You should too. But let's give them the good news that will change them from the inside out. That's where we need to do, pray and do what we can. Christ view the lost. Very, very important. Looking at people through the eyes of Jesus makes all the difference in the world. So let's see people through Jesus' eyes and let's do what we can. Have a compassion for their souls to realize they're lost and hopeless and the harvest is coming in their lives for some sooner than later. And let's obey his command to pray and be willing to go. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.